All right, welcome back to the podcast, and I just want to do a short intro to this episode because I talk about what this episode is in the episode. I did, I recorded it on a new, I'm still playing with that platform. Anyway, I don't think I edited it, it this part out, but I've had a lot of conversations with people over the last year, so I'm calling this episode How to Deal with Haters. Because in one way, shape, or form, that's basically what it comes down to, right? I'm definitely not an expert in this field. I've had my fair share of haters. Does that make me uh, an expert? Maybe. I don't always deal with it perfectly. Mostly I'm talking about how I'm processing all of it. I hope that you're encouraged by it, or at least you feel seen and heard and that it will start some conversations for you with other people. This is also episode 99. So this that's why I'm really doing this intro, because you'll hear more about it, what this topic in the episode. But this is episode 99. Episode 100 is coming. I want to give away a $100 gift certificate to your choice, either Audible or Barnes & Noble. And so, here, so I'll put some things in the show notes about what I want you to do. But basically... Subscribe to the podcast and share it online and then either tag me in it or take a screenshot of your post and send it to me. Now, if you've listened to the other episodes, you already heard me say this. My Facebook was hacked. I had to create a new This Is Her Story podcast Facebook page. I had to create a new Joanne Bastine pod Facebook page. Look for the one that uses my middle initial. That is the one that I am on right now. The other one is still up and running, but I cannot get into it. I hope, I I don't want to say enjoy the episode, so I just hope that you'll be encouraged. We've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church because we really need to tell better stories. Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different. Welcome to the podcast slash YouTube, whatever this ends up being. Uh, I had a, I've had a lot of questions recently, like maybe, I don't know, over the last six months or so, definitely over the last two years, it's been a tough two years, right? I mean, we can just all agree it's been a long two years. So the questions I've been asked are how basically they fall into the category of haters. They come, the questions come in different forms, but basically that's the category, right? What do we do about haters in this world? And I know it's kind of escalated since social media, but really this has been a long, it's been around for a long time. I mean, this is not a new thing. If you read uh, John Wesley's journal, I mean, people threw tomatoes at him. Because one time he ran and hid in a house and they were like hiding under the table because they had a group of people that were chasing him down. Um, You know, he had his fair share of haters. You know, most of the celebrity pastors back in the day before there were celebrity pastors, right? They had haters. Martin Luther hid in a castle to translate the New Testament into German for the common people. So it's it's this is not a new thing that we're experiencing, but we're definitely experiencing it as clergy 
at an intensified rate since um, the coming of the modern day celebrity pastor with mega churches uh, and then with social media. And then you add a pandemic, racial tensions, political tensions. Uh, what are we calling it? Supply chain <laughs> shortages. The newest one of which apparently is um, hot sauce. My husband is very upset about this. I would say he's upset about hot sauce as I would be if there was a coffee shortage, which there is a little bit of a coffee shortage, but my husband doesn't care because he he drank what was called cowboy coffee. And if you're not if you're not familiar with this, basically you take grounds, you throw them in a pot of water, and then you heat it up over a campfire until it's mud, and then you drink it. I don't know. I think you're supposed to strain out the the grounds, but it's disgusting. All right, whatever. Um, but if you're in the middle of nowhere, that's what you that's what you drink. So uh, I digress. Back to haters. Me, this is me hating on his cowboy coffee. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode and how to deal with it. I'm probably not the best person to talk on the subject, but I've experienced some of it over the last couple of years in particular and definitely over the course of my ministry. So, you know what, I'm, I'm a woman. So right off the bat, I get a, a couple of extra lumps of coal in my stockings, you know, because of that. But the truth is, every pastor has a cross to bear in ministry. And for me, it just happens to be my gender. And for whatever it is, whatever it is for you, right? Uh, I have friends who are single, who, who are men who are single in ministry, and they struggle. I have uh, pastors who, you know, they're unable to have children, or maybe they chose not to have children. And so they experience it. People who pastors who have come to faith in Christ as adults. Um, and, and so some of their past kind of link still lingers there, you know, um, I'm also an adult, adult convert, but my gender trumps the fact that I'm an adult convert. So these are the things that we all experience in ministry. You're, you're just, it's just the way it's going to be. You're going to have um, a cross to carry and it's going to be different for all of us, but the thing that is similar is that we are going to, at some point, probably deal with some haters. I was listening to the Mars Hill podcast that was done by Christianity Today, hosted by Christianity Today, which if, for, I'll put a link in the show notes. If you haven't listened to that podcast, you need to go and listen to it. Uh, and they've just recently put out a couple of bonus episodes. One of them had to do with the music of Mars Hill, which is really redemptive. So I encourage you to go and listen to that if you haven't listened to that episode. But then the most recent one, they were interviewing Russell Moore. And so for those of you who don't know who he is, um, he's Southern Baptist Convention, a well-known, well-respected theologian, you know, and he, he's a well-respected theologian, no matter where you are in the church family. He just does not think women should be ordained. Um, I mean, there's some, obviously as someone who has a Wesleyan holiness background, I don't agree with all of his theology either, but that I digress about that. But he, he made a really good comment in this interview and he said, 
The problem is that right now in the church, we have some really big, we have some big problems. And what we want is a big solution to the big problem. But the reality is it's going to take several small solutions to solve the big problem. And it doesn't feel, because they're small and because it takes time to implement these multiple small solutions to fix the problem, it doesn't deal with the the feelings and the the big feelings and the big emotions that are wrapped up in this problem, right? I, I don't have to name them for you. There's a lot of them out there right now. If you pick anyone that you, you know, patriarchy, uh, racial tensions, political tensions, um, the LGBTQ debate, all of those things, each and every one of them is a big, it's a big issue. And we want a big solution to counteract this big problem, whichever one you want to address. I don't want to say a silver bullet, but I really think that is kind of what we want. But usually when we use that phrase silver bullet, we're talking of a quick fix. And that wasn't what Russell Moore was talking about. He wasn't saying that we're looking for a quick fix, although we are in in some instances, right? We want the pain to be over quickly. But what we really need is the dopamine hit of a big fix. What we really need is the dopamine hit of the silver bullet. All right. So let me, I had tests done today. I got the, they had to put the, they didn't, they didn't take anything out. They put stuff in. So they had to do the IV because I'm allergic to contrast dye. So they have to do an IV to put the contrast dye in just in case they need to rescue me, giving me whatever, epinephrine, whatever, whatever that is, the stuff that keeps you from dying from anaphylactic shock. So they have to do that. So I have this big old, you know, then they put the cotton ball and like 12 pieces of tape on your arm. Now it doesn't look like it, but I do have arm hair, you know, so you got to rip that off. How I don't know about you, but some of you out there, you're the, I'm going to wait as long as it takes for this thing to just fall off by itself, right? When I was a kid, that was kind of my MO when I was really up until my late 30, really up until my mid 30s after I had two kids. But before then I was like, hey, we're, I'm just going to let this thing fall off on its own, right? You take a few showers, eventually it falls off, you know, work, work it off slowly. There's not a whole lot of pain. Eventually it just comes off. It fixes itself. Of course, this was back in the day when, I don't know if you know about this, but there was like, they had just enough adhesive on bandages and tape so that the bandage would stay on long enough for it to stop bleeding, right? And then it would fall off on its own. But now, like, I don't know what it is. They use like, I don't know, monkey glue or something to uh, keep that, keep those bandages on. So now I'm just like, all right, you just got to rip this bandaid off. Take a deep breath before, right? Have you ever done this? You have to take a deep breath, count to three, and then you exhale loudly right as you rip it off. And then it's gone and you throw the bandaid away and you move on with your day. So why, why am I telling you this story about band-aids, right? Uh, first of all, I'm not trying to compare the last two years 
to ripping a Band-Aid off? Or am I trying to use it to trivialize any of our experience with um, haters or whatever we sh- the struggles in ministry that we've had over the last couple of years? And frankly, I mean, I quit and then unquit last fall. So I probably don't have really much credibility in giving anybody advice. Mostly I'm just trying to share with you how I am processing my own experiences right now. Purpose of this episode is just to share with you how I'm processing my own experiences and maybe there's something in there that will help you. Um, So I've been having some health problems and uh, it's good news. I'm going to live until I die. So uh, I've been having these health problems for, I don't know, I guess it's going on a year now, trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And it was one of those things where you're like, I don't, I don't really want to, it's not a big deal. It's not all the time. It's on or off. Is this just, am I doing something weird? Like you're just kind of trying to self diagnose, you know, because you don't want to go in and they're just going to say, there's nothing wrong with you. Finally said, I got to go in. Anyway, so they sent me for tests and some of the tests showed some stuff. So they sent me for more tests. Those tests were like, there's nothing wrong with you. Anyway, they keep sending me from other tests, of course. Basically, what I wanted was for them to say, here, this is this is the one thing you need to do to fix the problem and you'll be fine. But it turns out there's multiple things that I have to change, right? Like, I have to change the way I eat. Um, I do need to have some surgery. There's some other tests I have to take. Pray that I don't have to give up coffee with you because <laughs> there's a lot of other things I'm giving up. And so just learning how to do all the, those things along with, hey, uh, we think some of this is stress-induced, so you need to deal with your stress as well. Uh, so not one thing, but I have three or four different changes I need to make to my lifestyle in order to fix this problem. And I don't like that because it's going to take time. I mean, I'm having surgery in August. So that's six weeks recovery, right? I started the changing my, my diet. That takes a while for you to notice all of the effects. I've seen some, but it's going to take a while. You know, every test takes more time, more money, my running has been put on the back burner, which is wreaking havoc on my mental health because it's one of the ways that I manage stress and my mental health. So yeah, it's not going to be one solution. It's going to be a lot of little solutions and they're going to, it's going to take time. And I'll tell you, I'm not happy with it. And the problem is that's, that's really what is going to happen with the church. And probably in your concentric circles of concern, right? It's not going to be one thing. There's going to be a lot of different things that are going to have to be implemented and it's going to be slow and it's going to take time. Um, The church that I had before going into the pandemic no longer exists. I mean, I, I have a congregation. I've been there. I planted 11 years ago. I'm still the lead pastor but the dynamics have so dramatically changed in the last two and a half years that I don't even recognize the, it's not the church I set out to plant and it's completely, it looks completely different. 
And one of the things I have to figure out is how do I pastor these people? Because they're, they weren't the people that I, some of them are, but a lot of them are the people, they're not the demographics I set out to originally reach. And it takes a whole different set of leadership skills to do that. So I'm, so I'm telling you this because it, I, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that if you're feeling frustrated and angry, it's legitimate. Um, I saw a meme or a quote or something like that not too long ago, maybe nine months ago. And it said, I was finally willing to sit with my anger long enough that I realized that her real name was grief. And so a lot of the anger that you may be feeling, the anger that I was feeling anyway, turned out to be grief. And so I had to deal with the anger and then I had to deal with the grief. And then under the grief, there were other things. And so then I had to deal with the things that were under it. Some of them were unresolved. I don't want to say childhood issues, but things I experienced in childhood, my teens, young adulthood that I never really fully processed. Um, And so now I'm dealing with that on top of processing that on top of everything else. The easy thing, no, that's not true. I want to say that the easy thing to do is to quit. But I know that's not true because I wrestled with it for at least 18 months before I resigned my position. It was agonizing. And I had a whole long list of pros and cons. <laughs> Although you know how you can have like one pro or one con, but really it should qualify for two or three because it's like it's such a big pro or it's such a big compromise that it's has the equal weight of four or five or six. So it's not easy. It's not easy. And I think that's probably, I know for me that this is why I've struggled so much. And my guess is probably the same for you if you're listening, if you're struggling in particular and listening, is that neither one seems satisfying. Quitting isn't satisfying and, and staying isn't satisfying, right? Here's, let's talk about some ways. And my guess is you're probably doing a lot of these if you're struggling. If you're not doing any of these, then this is a good place to start, right? Uh, So the first one would be, I would say, if you don't have a mentor, you need to get a mentor. If you don't have a coach, um, that might be a good place to start. Uh, Also, spiritual director. If you live in the area where I am, Manresa Retreat Center it's a Jesuit retreat center. They have spiritual directors there. You can find that. You can also just go online and search spiritual directors. Sela, S-E-L-A-H, I think is the name of it. I'll put that in the show notes also. If you go online to their website, you can find spiritual directors that are in your area. One of the advantages of a spiritual director is that because they're not part of your organization, right? And a lot of times you can find ones that aren't even in your denomination, which is helpful. The reason I say that can be helpful is because I think that there's a tendency, even when we have a coach or a mentor, to hold back because, you know, if you share enough stuff, they can figure out who you're talking about, right? 
if you share enough details. So if you got a spiritual director that's not in your denomination, that makes it a little easier. Um, but they're going to help you to process it a little bit like a counselor. But they under, they're going to understand the ministry aspect of it. And then you, I would definitely say get a counselor. There's been a lot of changes to insurance. Uh, they, the counseling profession, the medical profession, have worked really hard lobbying um, the last few years. And so for most people, you're, you won't be asked to pay more than your a copay for your visits. And most, they try really hard to keep it under 35. So most copays, if you have any kind of insurance to see a counselor, is 30 or $35 a session which is a far cry from the 120. There are ways that you can take control back over your situation. And so you need to find a good counselor so that you, because part of the frustration that comes from dealing with haters is that we feel like we have lost all of our power and all of our control, That which is what they want to do, right? They want to make us feel powerless so that they can feel powerful. I want to talk, I want to define haters a little bit in, in just a second. So hold, hold with, hold that thought. Cause I want two other um, things I want to suggest. And that is finding a small group that you are not ministering to some kind of a small group that you can meet with, even if it's just once a month. One of the things I'm going to be doing soon is offering group coaching. And so I'll do, I'm going to do virtual, I'm going to do it virtually. It's going to be probably Zoom or one of those. I'll bring in somebody who can speak on a topic and then actually spend some one-on-one time with each of you in the group session doing some coaching. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to be talking about different aspects of ministry, but this is definitely an area of ministry that we need to talk about. And so that. This is going to come up um, in some of those sessions. Uh, And I think as you sit with other pastors and you hear their struggles, you won't feel so alone. It's very easy for us. And I know for me, you know, there have been times where I thought, man, I'm the only one. I'm the only one experiencing this right now. But like I said, I've had multiple conversations over the last year with different people and so I'm finding out, no, I am not. Um, I'm not having, I'm not the only one. I'm not alone in dealing with this. And sometimes just having the conversation. I, I talked with a pastor friend of mine who's been in ministry for a long, long time, unbeknownst to me that we were having a similar situation. Uh, and just hearing that I wasn't like being singled out made me feel so much better. Like it didn't fix the problem. But just knowing that I'm like, okay, maybe the reason I'm being hated on is because I'm just doing what God wants me to do. And they just can't stand that, right? Uh, So so being in a coaching situation where you have other pastors and we're all talking about it, and sometimes you'll hear a story and how somebody handled it and you're like, oh, wow, I could try that or I could do this or, or whatever. And so watch for that. All right, now I'll talk specifically about what we label as haters because I think that there are some legitimate people who will cross your path 
um, in ministry. Usually they're other pastors and they will disagree with you or say something you don't like. And it's easy for us to think they're hating on us, but legitimately they're trying to help. You have, that's why you have to kind of stop and think about it. And, and so there's been times I had to stop and I'm like, you know what? This person has really helped me before in the past. It felt like they were dismissing me, but they weren't trying to dismiss me. And so then I was able to go back and say, hey, what, what, what did you mean by this? Tell me more about this and why you feel like this would be helpful for me or whatever. But then there are people out there who they, you know, that they legitimately don't want to have the conversation. There's a passage in the Proverbs where it says, the writer of Proverbs says, there are these things that the Lord despises. And one of them is stirring up dissension. The Lord despises when ministers stir up dissension. There are some ministers who get a really big dopamine hit from stirring up dissension and causing crises. And we don't want to be, we don't want to be like that. Followers of Jesus, there's a difference between speaking the truth and love and being someone who is seeking a dopamine hit by causing dissension. And my guess is if you are one of my regular listeners to the podcast, <laughs> that is not you. You want, you are a follower of Jesus. You want to speak the truth in love. And uh, as many of the great theologians, John Wesley, Martin Luther, they would all say, if you have to err, err on the side of love. If you're gonna if you're gonna err, err on the side of mercy and grace. God will help us to course correct. Our job is to always err on the side of love and mercy and grace. And one of the hardest commands that Jesus gave us was to pray for our enemies, and that means praying for our haters. Uh, I don't like it. I definitely when I have a pray for your enemy day in my journal, I want to rip that bandaid off as fast as I can and get it over with. Dear Jesus, please bless my haters so that I can get to some more fun things to talk to you about. All right. That's what I have for you today. I hope that somehow this is a, a blessing and an encouragement or at least something that you can take to the Lord and to process. I tell my congregation this, sometimes my job is to get up and to say, hey, I've been there and my job is to reach back and to take your hand and to help you walk through it. Other times I'm right there with you in it, in the thick of it. And the best that we can all do is lock arms and move through it together. I guess that's my Enneagram six, all things community. Let's lock arms and move through this thing together and bring the kingdom kingdom of heaven to earth have a great week <music>